Welcome back to another episode of Confessions of a Crabby Christian, a Misfit Media Network production. I am your host and resident crappy Christian, Blake, and every week I get to have the coolest conversations with incredible people about all the things most Christians are still not sure we're allowed to talk about. So if you've been looking for a place to land with all your crap and for someone to just be honest about what it looks like to walk through this Christian life, well, you've come to the right place. Pull up a seat, pop in your headphones and tune out your kids and come hang out with me and a guest for the authentic conversations that you have been looking for. Josh and Christy, welcome to Confessions of a Crappy Christian. Like, we're so glad to be here. Thank you for having us. Yes, I, I love I love your podcast. <laughs> Can I tell you something that's funny? Our kids saw it on the calendar, like, because, we, you know, they like, we homeschool, so they're home yeah. a lot, you know, so they see us. And they're like, a crappy Christian podcast? What's that? And I was like, oh, funny. Well, <laughs> well we're yeah. not always good at it. You yeah, know? exactly. Well, the way that I explain it to people is that it's what Paul said about, I'm going to boast in my weakness so that the pow- perfect power of Christ can be made as loud as possible. So you can, you can explain it to them that way. <laughs> yeah. So, it, I love it. The humility of it. I'm yeah. like, yes, people you- love it or hate it. As like anytime somebody loves it, I've had people not book to be on the show because of the name or exclusively booked to be on the show because they're like, oh, I saw the name and was like, book it. So <laughs> we thought we're like, who is she? I must <laughs> know more. <laughs> I love it. So I am obsessed with y'all with your book, which comes out in like a couple weeks. Yeah. yeah. Are you excited? Yes. Yes. It's a it's long a, time coming. It's a labor of love. Yeah. It's a lot of hours behind a computer screen and well, you feeling lonely. <laughs> and then, you know, that coming out while we're talking about confessions of a crappy Christian, <laughs> you know, you get lonely and then Christy's, you know, out homeschooling or doing things. And then you don't realize that you're so lonely because you've been sitting behind a computer screen. And then you take that out on Christy, you know, your wife. And then she's like, well, what do you mean? You've been by yourself all day. You've been on vacation. And I'm like, this is hardly a vacation. <laughs> this is like a labor of love. And then, you know, it just, let's get behind the scenes of writing a book. Right. And I don't feel like people know a lot about the behind the scenes. I think a lot of the time people who have written books feel so blessed to have written a book Yeah, that we don't want to like complain. But I remember feeling this same exact way. Like I would be holed up in my office, bleeding out on my freaking computer screen and then come out and just be toast. And I mean, I'm married to a very understanding man, but I would be like snippy and stuff. And then I'd have to be like, I'm sorry. I realize that you've been with the girls for hours now, but for those hours, I was like word vomiting all of like yes. my deepest, darkest fears and what God's taught me is I'm sorry. I'm so tired. <laughs> and and yeah. you have nothing left. Nothing. I think people look at it. It's like, oh, it's, this is came together really great. And you're like, right. oh, it was awful. It, that's why I always call it like, oh, it's your book, baby. Because it's yeah, literally yeah, like yeah, you have to yeah. labor to get yeah, this baby all- out there. Yeah. And like, I, we just had this like revelation the other day where I was like, it literally is like birthing something in the fact that yeah. the right up until it happens, it's almost when you just want to give up, like mm-hmm. even doing like, you know, like, oh, they want you to, you know, do another podcast. And you're like, I don't want to, like, I just, I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm so tired. And it's amazing how, and it's like, but you don't want to abort it before it's time. Right. And it's like the, the very end of this last, we have a nine-year-old, a seven-year-old, I'll just I'll recap our family, but we have a nine-year-old, seven-year-old, and then we have Micah, 
who came in 2020. So he's almost two. And I had him at home. I had, this was my first home birth, but I remember, do you remember this? I was telling a friend this the other day, what I said mm-hmm. right before he was born. And it was like, I got to the point where I was like, I can't do this. Yeah. And Josh was like, I have never heard you say those words. And it was like, I think he was born like a minute later. Or, it was you know, 45 something. seconds after that, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 45 seconds. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But it was just, it, and you know, I say that to like, that's part of our journey. I think all mm-hmm. of us, like, I think we can all relate to that when we're, we've, God's given us something to do mm-hmm. or a message or it, and it's hard and you're literally birthing something. It doesn't have to be a book. No. Like, yeah. That, that's rare. And that's not even, it's not special. It's just what you've been asked to do, but it's right when we want to give up, like right at that precipice. And I, where it's the hardest and it's like, yet yeah, I like, I refuse to abort before it's time. And I, and now we have it and we're just like, it's super exciting. Yeah. So yeah. amazing. The fruit of it, the, you know, and then Wait, to Micah hear, or the oh, book. The baby. <laughs> Yeah. Both. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's oh, so he's great. he's a gem. That kid's awesome. Not that the other two aren't. The other two are just as amazing. Right, right, right. Of course. I like. I have such a love hate with like really cliche sayings, but it's that one that's like no pressure, no diamonds. Like, oh, that's how you get a diamond is all of that pressure and got like if you trust that God's using that to cultivate something in you and to do something bigger than what you know. I feel like that makes it possible to push through those. Like, I can't do this. Yes. It's like, okay. Like I, I don't actually have to, Mm. the spirit in me is going to enable me to do this. So we knew before we even started recording that we were going to have absolutely no problem. Like having a really, (laughs) really great conversation. I do want to back up just a tiny bit so that you can tell us about famous at home to kind of launch us into the, like you wrote a book. Let's tell people about the book real quick. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, no. So our organization is called Famous at Home and it started out of our own story. Um, we're vulnerable in the beginning of the book talking about our story and just how we, you know, the first couple of years of marriage were pretty difficult because the first two kids, so nine, seven and two, there's an age gap for a reason. Hmm. <laughs> they were really difficult, colic, acid reflux. You know, it was interesting because I was 30 by the time we got married. She's 26 and we just thought we had had it together. Isn't it funny how when you think you have it together? And you're like, I was a child. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, well, we knew nothing. And we were both like trained by count as counselors by trade. Oh, wow. So like, it's not like we haven't sort of been around the block in terms of like helping other families, and right. you know, but it's incredibly different when it's you. I love it. How God just kind of, he, he humbles you in the very thing you're called to. So you don't pull your britches up too high. <laughs> like, yeah, this is how you do it. A hundred percent. So uh, our heart was for marriage and family. I think a lot of that came out of our difficulties. It came out of our own stories. And as we started working with families, we would just, I'm also a crisis responder. And so I do a lot of work with International Critical Incident Stress Foundation and train through them. And one of the things I would get a call on often was just the fallout of a marriage or the fallout of something when there was an ethical failure or a moral failure of some type in a business leader or pastor or whatever. And, and it was heartbreaking because you see the ripple effect of that constantly. Mm. And you're like, how can we prevent this from happening? Like, how mm. can we prevent the fallout of that? And that's really where the idea where so often we would see that, and, and this is for every single one of us, every single one of us is pulled to affirmation, typically outside the home, especially mm-hmm. in the Western world that we live in, yeah. a technological, social media driven, looking to the right or to the left culture that it's like, 
I'm not comfortable in who I am. I'm not comfortable with everything God's given me. And especially after you have young kids, you get married, you have this idea of what a family's going to look like. And then you have young kids, marital satisfaction dips the lowest. Oh my gosh. According to research right after in young kids. And it's like, no wonder you're not having sex. You're not doing it. You know, there's you're just, exhausted. There's you're not yeah. sleeping. Exhausted. And it's like, you're and leaking so, out of every body part. Yeah. That you have. Well, maybe not you, I was but say, I was, I wasn't, but <laughs> but I was watching you leak out of every body part that you have. And, and it's like, and so you're, you're just in this phase of like, it is so much nicer to get affirmation from coworkers, from board members, the from internet. Fans and followers and the internet and whatever you get a dopamine bump from that. And then you come home and your kids are saying, Hey, can we play shoots and ladders? And you're trying to play shoots and ladders with an opponent who has no idea which way is up and which way is down. There's no dopamine bump in that. Or you're coming home and your spouse is like, hey, I had a day. I'm done. And I don't care if you just crushed it on your stage. I don't care about any. And so we get, we give our leftovers, we get others leftovers. And yet it's like, no, I think there's a better way here because Mm. we've found that when we are, we prioritize our home, we prioritize, and and it's biblical. I mean, this is Mm. a feat. This is like, you know, you prioritize, God gave us family as the foundation for how we go out and we love other people so that we have that safe environment that we can come back to. And so, which is why he describes himself as the father and the son and us as sons and daughters. And, and there's a reason that family is so ingrained into the heart of scripture and the heart of the gospel. And when we start to look at our chase and what we're chasing, and we start to say, hey, I need to shut that down and focus inward in my home, that there is a shift that when I'm famous at home, I show up differently on my stage, whatever stage yeah. you're called to, that you show up and maybe your stages is a stay at home mom or stay at home dad. And you haven't found significance in that. And it's like, oh, wait a minute. That's what God has called you to right now. That is your stage. Mm-hmm. And there's an, there's a significance in that. Yeah. So that's where famous at home really. And so we work with organizations, we work with churches, we work with military and just really helping build emotional intelligence and family wellness. So that's our, that's our heart. That's amazing because I'm sitting here thinking about being famous at home and like, that is so much more fulfilling than anything else is going to be. Right. Mm-hmm. I think it, for me, in my mind, it comes down to fulfillment and where am I finding it? Yeah. Like if I'm finding fulfillment in the, like you were saying, the dopamine rush of likes on Instagram or reviews on my podcast, what am I doing at home? Right. Yeah. And my phone right here. Yes. And you, like I can't be famous with my kids. It's this, but there's this duality to it as well. If I want my kids to see me work hard and do something well and use my God-given gifts, but I want them to always know that they are always more important yeah. than that. And I literally just made a post like last week talking about the American way. And the first slide was how we've structured family and marriage and motherhood and how wrong we've gotten it that which it's, it's we spend 40 plus hours a week living separate lives yeah yes yeah. and we wonder why we're so disconnected yes. and we wonder yeah. why 70% of affairs happen in the workplace that's not an excuse but like you're spending all day with somebody other than your spouse i was talking to a friend about it the other day and they were like well, i don't think that's what god designed us for like look at eden God designed Adam and Eve to work side by side. It blew my mind. You look at history. I mean, you look out throughout history up until really the, the industrial revolution. Yep. Families worked alongside each other. 
And lived alongside each other. They lived alongside each other. I mean, there's a reason in Ephesians 6 that Paul writes, fathers do not exasperate your children because fathers were involved in the day-to-day discipline and instruction of raising their children. They weren't off at a job somewhere. And again, for those of you listening that are off at jobs, like this is not like a shaming kind of, No, this this is part of the world we live in, but we have to go back and look and go, okay, how much of culture has infiltrated who we are as a family and right. how can we begin taking small steps? And, and that's one of the things we talk about in Famous Home. How do we start taking small steps to reclaiming so that we influence culture more than culture is influencing Yes. Us? Okay. Can you, I, obviously like we don't ever want to give the whole book away. People to buy the book, but can you tell us like what some of those small steps, because I think this gets so big for people that they're yeah. like, I can't quit my job. Like I can't go from being on 40 hours a week to being home. Right. No, exactly. But what is some small stuff that y'all found people can do? Yeah, exactly. Well, and it's funny because it's funny you say that you don't want to give it all away. We literally have been doing a podcast on every chapter by chapter. Yeah. And I was like, Josh, is this going to like prevent people from wanting to buy the book? He's like, I don't care. We're big. We want to help people. Exactly. So it's like, it's like, we want to talk about it alongside. So we're calling it like a book club, but okay, wait, you have a podcast. Famous yes. at home. Oh, famous I'm at home. To yes. find that right. When now, your book continue. comes out, you should come on our podcast. I would love to. That would be amazing. Yeah. So we've been doing this. We've been doing the podcast for what four years, and it's been amazing to develop this community of families that are living on purpose, and yes. they are not being swayed. I think that's probably been the most encouraging thing for us. It's just been this like you know, like I think of it like a swell in the ocean where it's just this like groundswell. It's like coming up yeah. slowly of families that are waking up and that are realizing like, I am not happy in the life that I'm or the life that culture dictated. I had, yes. Like we, I think we just like stumbled into it. Right. And like one day you wake up and you look around you're like, my kids go to a school that is not teaching them biblical truth. My husband and I are roommates and you're like, Oh crap. Like how did we get here? Or you're running kids from one activity to another that's separating your family every weekend from one another. Yeah. Again, it's all this chase, right? And we talk about the chase. And so in like, in the first section of the book, it's really getting to the heart of like, it's us. It all comes back to us. Like, I don't, we don't like the term parenting truthfully because so much of it, like Josh can say, like all of research is summed up into one conclusion on parenting. And that is that our children become who we are Mm. while they are under our roof. They become who we are our feeling of where we have grown to emotionally, spiritually, that is the, that's where the cap of where they can grow to when they're under our roof. Hmm. So ultimately that becomes their floor and they go from there as they leave our house. That's But you know, so we just keep saying like, we just want to elevate our ceiling so that our children's floor, right. And and, (laughs) it makes me so hype. So in case you missed it, I wrote a book, like a full-blown cover-to-back book, Confessions of a Crappy Christian. The book is real-life talk about the things Christians aren't sure they're supposed to say. It's like the podcast and my Instagram times a thousand. Inside, I dive into things like mental health, being a fiery woman from within the church, friendship breakups, and more from the perspective of my life and how God has moved. So you can find out more and pre-order if you would like at crappychristianco.com slash book. Pre-orders matter a lot in the book world, and we have some awesome incentives coming your way. So that 
would really mean the world. I'm super excited to announce that this August, we are firing back up our monthly membership called The Collective. The Collective is a community membership empowering you to navigate real life from a biblical perspective. I love this community and the up-close access it gives us to one another. We cover a quarterly topic with monthly calls and we all grow and learn together and it's just really awesome. You can learn more and get on the wait list at crappychristianco.com slash collective. Okay, let's get back to the show. In the book, we talk about the seven decisions. Yeah, but like, let, start, I'd start with identity. Like, so you asked the question. Like, yeah, sorry. I'm you sure go. You I just go. think it's important. Like, we have to. We talk about seven decisions, but you can't make decisions until you focus on your identity. Yeah. And this is kind of what we've been talking about in the beginning. Here is where is your identity? Like, what is it that you're putting your identity in that's keeping you from showing up well at home? P.T. Barnum, greatest showman, is probably one of the greatest examples. They're sitting on the rooftop. The girls are running through the sheets. It's just really tranquil, sweet magical, moment, really. magical moment that we all desire as families. But Barnum's brain was somewhere else. Like yeah. he was all chasing his fame, his fortune. Yeah. He wanted to prove his father-in-law wrong. Like, or he, and it wasn't even his father-in-law was trying. It's just, he was just like, I have a vendetta against my father-in-law. I'm going to prove to him that I can give my, my wife what he gave her, her yeah. from a financial standpoint. Like, yeah. And so he, he's not settled. He's unsettled in this sweet moment. And I talk about some of those in in the book where I've had those, where I was chasing maybe conferences or speaking events that I wasn't at, but yet here I am sitting on my floor and my kids are trying to play Percy and have a a, a birthday party for Percy on the island of Sodor. And my mind is somewhere else. And just this awakening moment of going, oh my goodness, later that night after I put my phone away, my son asked me, he was four at the time. He said, daddy, what was your favorite part of the day? And I just welled up with tears because I realized like, there was no greater time in that day than playing trains in the island of Sodor when my chase stopped in my brain. And I'm like, where's our identity? And so the whole first part of the book is going, we can't really make these decisions until we know what are we chasing yeah. and where's our identity. But it's true. And like uh, that goes so alongside with what you're talking about. If that ceiling becomes our floor. Yeah. Because like, oh, brick. P.T. Barnum was so focused on was giving his kids and his family what he thought success was. And like my husband and I are getting to redefine what success is. Success isn't more dollars in the bank or more big shiny toys. It's making the decision that we're going to be together and raise our kids together and that he's not going to be at work. Like when we pull into my husband's place of work, my kids say, oh, it's daddy's house. Like they think he lives there and that wrecks him, but it's all he knows. It's all his parents knew. And so I've shared this quote before, but Jennifer Allen, who I was talking about before, has this quote where she says, the first people through the window get bloody. But the hope is once you've gone through that window, your kids come behind you and they get a little bit less bloody. And then their kids come behind them and they get a little less bloody. And so like, yeah, it's really hard to make these changes in your identity and who you are and what you do and how you live your life but you're like breaking this generational pattern and handing a higher ceiling to your kid. That's exactly what chapter one's all about. Like, or not chapter one, but like the whole first part of the book. And I talk about my relationship with my dad and my parents' divorce when I was 10 and how my dad was always there for me. He was always in the stands. He was at every wrestling match, every baseball game, but in big emotional moments of my life, he didn't know how to 
it was like I took care of him. So mm-hmm. I became the firstborn type A fixer yeah. where all of the responsibilities just came crashing down on me. It led me to therapy. It led me to going, holy cow, like I am still carrying stuff from my parents' divorce into my family now. Absolutely. But this whole thing of going, the Bible tells us to honor our parents. Mm-hmm. I don't think that honor mm-hmm. lives in denial. Mm-hmm. So in other words, we can't deny that our parents, they had good intentions, but you can't confuse good intentions with intentionality. And so you've got to be able to close the gap and go, I want to, the way to honor my parents, my grandparents, and those who've gone before me is to look back and go, what did they give me? Mm-hmm. And how can I take that and then level that up? so that we are honoring our parents by leveling and raising our ceiling for for their grandkids and great grandkids and so on and so forth. Yeah. That's really the heart. Yeah. Honoring your parents are like, there are so many things that my parents did that I want to carry forward into how I raise my children. And there are things that I want to do differently. And that doesn't dishonor them. Right. right? It's if I don't learn from their mistakes and what was the point? Yeah, exactly. And yeah. there's freedom in that. Like that's, I think yeah. that's the freedom in love, right? true love where it's not you're bound to out of fear right or out of like you know unhealthy tether those emotional ties that keep us bound up and I think and that's part of it you know with famous at home like we walk people through their past because your Mm story is going to dictate your future and but if you're not aware of it like so often we either parent the way our parents parented us or we parent the opposite way because we hate the way they parented us but we're doing it's all reactionary it's not we're not intentional and so a lot of what we coach families to do is processing, which is such a gift to be able to process your own story, to put words and language to like what you experience. It's made up who you are and other people can see it much clearer than we often can. But once we start to get our arms around it, it's like, yeah, that makes sense. That's why that is why I am the way I am. And that is why I'm chasing this, you know, that I didn't even realize I was chasing. And I can now make an intentional decision and intentional decisions to pivot because I have a choice now because I'm aware of what was, and I have a plan and, and I have purpose. Like I I have a calling by God. It's specific to me and my family. And I don't want to miss it by trying to look like someone else or chase something that he, that's not of God. Yeah. Amen. Okay. So let's talk about these seven things because I think people can crave like tangibility. They're like, okay, this all sounds really good. Yes, I'm in. (laughs) Now what? Like, what do I do with that? Yeah. Great question. So the seven decisions are really about putting your family center stage. And so they walk, it's kind of our coaching, what we do with families to coach them through. So the first two really start with this idea of self-awareness, like how am I showing up, Mm -hmm. Uh, which is really what emotional intelligence is all about. How do we show up? And we talk a lot about emotions. Like I just genuinely believe that we hear from the Lord through our emotions. I believe that it's the gateway to the heart. The Bible says to guard your heart for it is the wellspring of life. I believe that when we get married and we become one flesh, we have one marital heart that we need to guard, Mm -hmm. which means what's going on within Christy's heart is way more important than what is happening to me. Mm -hmm. I need to, I need to fight for her heart. Even though a lot of times I fight to defend myself rather than her heart, but decisions three, four, and five are really all about emotions. They're all about talking about emotions. How do we do that with our kids and how we do that with our spouse? And a lot of this emotion talk, people might be listening to this be like, oh, geez, you know, we got to talk about our feelings. The reality is, is like, I work with military and I work with joint special operations command. So these guys are literally trained to capture or kill. Yeah. And they are my favorite people to do this with because 
I'll never forget the first time I was asked to uh, speak on emotional safety to these guys. I was so nervous, but it's gone so well because the very thing that they're trained to turn off to survive on the battlefield is the very thing they have to turn back on to survive when they get back home. Mm. And they eat it up. Our military is just phenomenal. Like they want to be the best in everything that they can be. So I just really encourage you if you're listening, you're like, oh, this emotional stuff, like it, it matters. See, I'm like Nick from New Girl. If we were supposed to talk about our feelings, they would be called talkings. <laughs> so good. But I'm getting better for you. So we really, we literally, we wrote a kid's book for that very reason. It's called, what am I feeling? Because the, the basics and the foundation of emotional intelligence, which is really essentially the building block for what we need to succeed in life for every major outcome we want for our kids. And it begins with an emotional vocabulary, the ability to name and label what you're feeling. Yeah. Super basic, but we've wrote a kid's book yeah. with the intention of a lot of us as adults did not get this. No. You thought like, this is red, this is blue, this is left, this is right. No Cal one taught. New. Yeah. Cal- we're in that you stage like that right wrong? now. Yeah. 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 Yep. Cal- yeah. I'm pretty sure I have that whole book memorized. Yeah. <laughs> and, and yet like nobody taught us, like feeling is something that you experience viscerally in your body. And if you have not been given language, that you don't know what it is you're experiencing, the overwhelm, the fear, the, you think about like jealousy, for example, like right. in a kid, in an adult, that's a really complicated emotion and yeah. it's awful. Yeah. But if you can start to recognize that in yourself, then the next thing is to be able to recognize it in the face of another person. So like in the back of the book is a feelings chart because, you know, Josh used to work with like juvenile delinquents and like maximum security juvenile detention center. They've done horrible things. And he would start with a feelings chart because they were never taught to recognize emotion in another person's face. Nobody had ever stepped into their world to help them understand their emotion. And so you got to start there. And so, so we really talk about that's how, so the first two are about self-awareness, really the, the, the next three are about others' awareness. And then the last two decisions are all about how do we set healthy rhythms in our family and how do we define our values mm-hmm. so that we are living from rest and not for rest. Mm. Um, you know, living for the weekend. Christy yeah. loves when I sing in the podcast. Oh my gosh. Like, he does it all the time. We're not living for the weekend. We're like, no, we're like living from rest, not for it. Yeah. Like that whole, and getting back to biblical rhythm of, of what that means and looks like and setting healthy values. And so, yeah. So I think, you know, today, just for those listening, like, you know, you know, this is a process to, to make these decisions, but it really starts. And I'll just kind of just process number one is it starts with showing up as the best version of yourself and, mm-hmm. and identifying what that looks like for you. So identifying what's your greatest pain point. In other words, what's keeping you up at night? What's the thing that's really weighing yeah. on you and how are you showing up in that? Yeah. And so often, like for us, the simplest thing that we realize, like I wasn't showing up well for my family because I was waking up when the kids were. And so it's like, no, I, if I wake up at five 30, I get my workout in, I spend time with Jesus. I am a different human to start my day, to show up with the kids when they wake up to show up with Christy, when she wakes up that I just simply made that decision. I was yeah. going to wake up at five 30. I was going to work out. I was going to do all these other things. And so it's as practical as that. It's like, what is the first thing? And it should, we just encourage one thing. And like, yours was eating sugar. My, mine was not eating sugar because yeah. I had gone through the season of like, you know, I just, it was like my comfort and my like mm-hmm. high in a day. And I was, but it, it also affected how you saw yourself. Yeah. And then it was like the shame cycle, which we all go down, you know, and then you just feel worse about it. And so for me, 
so for me, that was my first decision to get off that shame cycle. But it's like, how do you show up as the best version of you? Like what's yeah. the first decision? How do you start? Like, and you start today, yeah. one thing. And then we go into, you know, the next decision is changing your atmosphere. And you think about the atmosphere of your home. Like we all have an atmosphere. You can feel it when you walk into someone else. You often, it's so familiar to you in your own home. You're not aware of it. And so we have an assessment in the book where you can assess like, what is the atmosphere of your home right now? If that's like peace and chaos, if that is, if it's joy and celebration or like on the other end of the spectrum, there's yeah, like rest and exhaustion. Yeah. And you know, like when you visit someone's house and you leave after having dinner or hanging out at someone's house, you get in your car, the feeling of like, <sighs> oh, their house. Was, yeah. Yeah. Or it's like, oh, their house was so peaceful. Did you feel, or you, you get in and you do the sigh. I think that you did is like, yeah. Oh my, oh my God. Gosh, I'm so glad I'm back in my car. <laughs> right. Like, yeah. No, you fear, anger, feel despair. the atmosphere of someone's home. Yeah. Exhaustion. Like there's an atmosphere that we carry and yet we have control over that. And, mm-hmm. but we need to know what it is first and we're right. just where we're at. Like, obviously we have things we're handling that with like, it affects us. And affects what you're speaking into your atmosphere. So yep. for instance, like I use the word disaster. Like I, I didn't realize that I was using like death language. Like for example, I mean, something as dumb as like looking at how many dishes need to go in the dishwasher. And I'd be like, this kitchen is a disaster, you yeah. know? And Christy's just like, Josh, what? Like, stop using Calm that language. down. Yeah, yeah. Like the power of life like, and death are on the tongue, right? Like yeah. even hearing you repeat that. And I know it's not real right now. There is some like literally life and death are in the tongue. And when you hear someone speak life, like you start to come alive. When yes. you hear people speak death, chaos, anxiety, fear. I mean, look at the world right now. You absorb anxiety, fear, chaos. Yet we have control over the things we speak. And then our children will repeat the things that we say. Mm-hmm. And so we have all control over the atmosphere of our home. And when we start to shift that, like, it's again, it's these daily decisions, but everything starts to compound. And yeah, and they compound off, they feed off of one another. So yeah. if you're showing up, if you have one strategy, one new habit for showing up as the best version of you, it's going to be a ripple effect. Yeah. yeah. By the time this comes out, it's public knowledge that Jeremy has left his job and is home with us. And part of that came from us having this moment where we looked at each other and I was like, I'm tired of living a life that I constantly need a vacation from. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I'm done. Like you were jokingly saying living for the weekend. I'm done. I'm done doing that. And so we've made changes and made sacrifices and made little tweaks and really big jumps. Like, and I think they all work together and they come, you know, like, yeah, it did start with like, when he is home, when homeboy is home, he absolutely has to get up before the rest of us. Cause he's a monster. He's a, and I, I would say that to his face and he knows it. Like he is a bear. I can't stand him when he first wakes up. We don't have like a sweet, oh, good morning. I'm like, why are you in this bed? You were supposed to get up an hour ago. You're going to be so <laughs> freaking cranky now. Like, and he knows that, but he's made that change where even if he doesn't get up and go to the gym, he just gets up and like drinks his coffee and like yes. has yeah. a minute, you know what I mean? And so, yes, we've made those small changes, but we also have made these like big, crazy, like leaps of faith of him leaving his very secure full-time job. Whereas because for us, like he's in a job and in a position that requires at minimum 60 hours a week from him. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. We have no time together and I'm done with that. I'm done with that. God has built up my business to a place that we're going to make some cuts and some sacrifices and 
we're going to define that as success. We're going to define a family where my husband doesn't have to miss my kids' art shows and soccer games because he's devoted to work. Well, and the reality is, is there's way more currency than money, right? And I mean, we've had opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to go and make more money, yeah. but it, would have, it, our currency of freedom, our currency of flexibility, my ability to live my message of being famous at home yeah. would be out the window. And so you have to think about, there are more currencies than just finances. And this is all going to burn. This is all going to burn, yeah. all going to burn. And you realize the things you were trying to give to your kids, they probably don't actually care about anyway. They just want you. And this is not about finances or, or necessarily everyone like quitting their job and no, staying, because there are super intentional things that we can do. But I will say, I remember, I will never forget. That's where my uncle taught me that, that there is more currencies than just money. Peace is a currency. Yes. That is something I would pretty strongly say to families. like. If your peace is being stolen, yes, a lifestyle, a job, a sport, <laughs> yes, exactly. That it is stealing the peace of your family. That is something I think that one is a war you have to fight. Amen. That's a hill worth dying on, but it is, that's a hill worth dying on. And because there's so much life on the other side, you think about what Jesus did, like he was footloose and fancy free. I mean, he didn't even own a home. Like yeah. granted, I know he didn't have a family to support. And there are different pressures with having to do that. We're not like tossing wisdom to the side. No. I just think walking in the fullness of wisdom. Exactly. Because there's actually a lot of foolishness in chasing on this hamster wheel of a life that you don't even want to live. Right. If I could just real quickly correct something that that was said. I just met you, but we're in, we're already friends. So we're friends enough yeah. that I can correct you. You guys said that it's going to burn. Here's Here's what I think. I think... In Revelation 21, Jesus says he's making all things new. Mm -hmm. And I believe that as believers, we are partnering with him in bringing on earth that which is in heaven. So bringing kingdom come. And I don't know how this works. N.T. Wright has influenced my theology in this. I don't know how this works, but I believe that every good thing we create is building for the new earth. Mm. The new Jerusalem will come down out of heaven. We will live on a fully embodied new earth in the end. And every good thing we are creating for the kingdom right now is being, it will transfer into the new earth in some way. Every prayer we pray, every homeless person we feed, every book we put out in the world, your family has a purpose on this earth to create beauty and to help Jesus in making all things new, bring kingdom come. And I believe instead of being on the rat race and the hamster wheel that we find ourselves in, that if we slow down and we look and we go, God, what beauty is it that what is our purpose as a family? I mean, that's the way we end this book is the rhythms and the values that you live by. Your family can live on mission to create and be a part of partnering with Jesus and creating all things new. And I just think that's the hope that I want to leave people because I think it's just such an incredible hope. Preach. That's a word to, to end things on. Like, I mean, how do you, I don't want to follow that up. That was so good. <laughs> Sorry. I just was like, no, we're, we're creating, like we I think are what she means building. We're not trying to amass stuff. No, I know what you're, yeah. that's what I mean. Like the boats and the four wheelers and the mansions and the cars, like, yeah, that's gonna Like, and that's not that those things are bad. Yeah. Right. It's are you, like exactly what Christy said. Are you yeah. sacrificing the piece of your family for a boat? Yeah. Or is a boat a part of your journey? 
and you have incredible memories with your family. That's right. That's hundred yeah. percent. Right. I know so many people who have worked really hard and bought the really nice boat and never take it out because they are always at work. Yeah. Yes. What's the point? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. We're already best friends. Very excited <laughs> for your book to come out. <laughs> I loved this. Thank you. Where can people follow you online? Yeah. yeah. Famousathome.com is the best place to go. And then we're on Famous at Home and Instagram. And then you can just find us personally, Joshua, Josh and Christy on Instagram. And yeah, we're in all the places. This was the best. Thank y'all so much. Thank, Thank you. Blake. This is so good. What an honor. All right. That's it for this week. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Crappy Christian Podcast. And hey, by the way, if you super loved it, can you go leave a five-star review wherever you're listening? That'd be awesome. All right. See you next week.